All right, this is Talking Animals. I'm Duncan Strauss. If you just joined us, we are in the midst of Ask the Trainer, a segment we've been doing about uh, every three months or so, in which we invite listeners, that could be you, of course, to ask everyday questions about their dogs, maybe a training challenge, maybe a behavioral issue, maybe something else. And again, the person answering those questions is Glenn Hatchell, the Behavior and Enrichment Manager at the Humane Society of Tampa Bay, veteran dog trainer and behavior expert, and of course, a former WMNF programmer. So if you'd like to take a, an opportunity like this to ask Glenn a question about your your dog, please call eight one or cat. Please call eight one three two three nine nine six six three. Email DJ at WMNF.org or text eight one three four three three zero eight eight five. So Glenn, we're waiting for some more folks to Well, actually let me let me let me jump in here because I wanted to I want I want us to go back to the caller before Bob who okay. the, the five month old. Part of the so in that case there was a specific problem that there was dealing with the jumping. But my solution to that basically is number well, I talked about sit. It really that would be the first of what I call the foundation skills. So it really, I can't emphasize the importance for all dogs to know how to do a sit, a stay, and a stay being, that doesn't mean you have to walk away from them, but you could at least move around on the leash and your dog's going to hold a position, and coming when called. I mean, those are the three really key things that, um, because obviously we want dogs to um, be decent on leash. If you're having to sit there at, or you're having to stand there at a counter and fill something out, you want your dog to be able to sit there by you and not be crazy. Yeah. And if the leash gets loose, you want them to be able to come back to you. Um, so yeah, there are, again, I will direct people back to the Humane Society website and on the adoption area and training resources. There are a lot of resources out there available for training that you can do on your own or contacts you can make to try to find trainers to help you with things. But, you know, I just can't emphasize the importance of just teaching those basic, again, what I call the foundation skills, those basic yeah. foundation skills that every dog really needs to uh, not necessarily master, but at least be really good at um, in a lot of cases. So that was that was the one thing that I was thinking as we were wrapping up that call and before the next one came in that um, um, that was that's always encouraged. Okay, very good. All right, let's, let's take our next caller again. This is uh, Ask the Trainer. This person is called 813-239-9663. You can do the same if you want to get some input and help from Glenn Hatchell, the Ask the Trainer segment here, or again by email at dj at wmnf.org, or of course you also have the option to... Um, Text at 813-433-0885. Also, I just want to mention, since Glenn's made reference a couple of times to the Humane Society of Tampa Bay uh, website, that is humanesocietytampa.org to get there and find the section on training resources and the uh, Victoria Stillwell section and just other guidance that you could get. So meanwhile, let's take our next caller. Hi, you're on uh, Talking Animals with Glenn Hatchell and Ask the Trainer. Go ahead, please. It's you. No? Okay. Hi, you're on Talking Animals with Glenn Hatchell and Ask the Trainer. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead, please. Hello? Hello. Yes. Right, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, I've recently adopted a rescue puppy. He's about five and a half months now. His mother was a blue tit hound. Um, his father is somewhat unknown, but he kind of looks like he could grow up to be a plot hound. I have no idea. I have another dog, too. That's another long story. But my question, he's really, really smart, but he seems to me like he's willful. He knows how to, he knows how to sit. He, you know, he knows what come means, but if you tell him to come, he'll just look at you and go, not. I don't think so. Or the same thing with the sit. He's just, he's willful. Is that 
part of the dog breed, and do you have any suggestions? I'm sorry. Say, say, what did you say, Lassie's what? Willful. Oh. I mean, that's, um, I know that's anthropomorphic, but... Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. Sometimes uh, that's the easiest way to explain things, I've decided, because yeah. that way we can relate to them easier. Um, so a couple of things. Um, again, being at that age, um, mm-hmm. I, I, would, I would wonder, well, I always wonder, based on what you said there, if there's something developmentally that's going on. Um, and again, having not seen him, I just that always pops into my mind if you've got a five-and-a-half-month-old that seems kind of slow, for example. Um but most dogs will learn, well, I shouldn't say most dogs. A lot of dogs will actually follow body language before they'll follow a uh, an audio, a vocal signal. Right. Um, so it could be that where it looks like he's, there could be, I'm wondering if there's something that you may be doing physically when he's coming to you that you're not doing when you're just using the, the word, maybe. <sighs> Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, that, that's stretching a little bit. But I always think about it this way, too. And this is kind of fits within um, one of my philosophies of training is that we do want him to make the decision to come to you. You don't want to force right. it because obviously, because if he gets loose, you're, you're not going to be able to pull him back. Um, and if I have a dog, of course, I'm dealing with the ones in the shelter, but I would do the same thing in a home environment. If I have a dog that's hesitant, I would look for a high-value food reward to try to encourage them to do it. Well, um, you can make him do anything for food. You can make him turn flip-flop and jump up and down. If you have okay. food in your hand, he's going right. to be your best friend. Perfect. So what basically it sounds like you're probably dealing with here basically is one to where it, there's a lot of diff, there's a lot of behavioral terms for it. But basically, he's come to that realization of, well, I'm not going to do it if you don't have the treat there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, but, but that's where it, that's where it comes to, um, thinking on, thinking of coming when called now, um, if you were going to get him to come to you and you didn't have it, well, let me think, let me, let me phrase it this way. If you want him to come to you, you should do the exact same thing, whether you have a treat in your hand or not, because that way he doesn't, he doesn't know until he gets to you, whether you have that treat and, at this point, then we would want to start mixing up the reward. So if he comes to you without the treat, then that's a, you're such a good puppy. I'll kind of praise and attention and everything. Right. Um, if he comes to you, so that is with, well, so we're talking about coming when called. I kind of gotten myself tied up here because, well, because I've got, but actually it's good if for somebody that's listening to the whole thing, this may, this may be like, ah, because I was talking about, because coming when called is the one behavior that I always offer a food reward for not for not for sit but for coming when called I always do because the scenario I always like to use is that some service person has come over to work on something at your house they've gone back out to the truck and left the front door cracked open and what you see is the back end of your dog heading down the street right at that point you don't have anything with you that you would normally have doing coming when called but your dog's not going to know that. So if he has been conditioned that, well, of course I'm going back to mom. She always gives me hot dog in this case, or I always get it. That's going to increase the chances that he's going to come back to you. Yeah. 
Um, but now with sit, though, or for the other behaviors, that's where it, we start. Just You, you want to mix it up. Sometimes you're going to get a treat, and I like to think of it, when you do it perfectly, I'm going to give you a treat. If you do it sloppily, you know how to sit. You don't need to be rewarded for that. So right. that's kind of the way. Um, it, this is not an uncommon problem, but it's easy to it's easy to um, to back out of with consistency. Your yeah. your consistency there because it really is. Dogs are very smart, and yeah, he's figured out. Eh, I'm just gonna wait and see. If I wait her out, she'll give it to me. <laughs> oh and, yeah, well, and he's he got more attention than he should because he he came into a house with an older dog that um, hated him for the first couple of weeks. <laughs> But we all we all break the rules, you know. I mean, we we all do, you know. I mean, we I say break the rules, but it's all it's like, yeah, I probably wish to have rewarded them there. But my feeling is, if you're giving the dog a piece of food, there's no way you're going to mess them up. Well, that's true. I'm I'm you know? all about that. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, that was very interesting, and I hope he. Uh, I just you know I've heard some horrible things about hound breeds, um, mm-hmm. so. Every dog, every dog's an individual. That's true. He's he's very vocal too. He talks all the <laughs> time. A, if I could teach that. him how to talk, I'd be a winner. Well, <laughs> if you do do, do succeed, uh, let's contact Talking Animals immediately. Okay. So I'll do that. I will. All right. <laughs> Thanks for your call. Appreciate it. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye bye. Okay, Glenn. We're going to take an email just to mix it up a little bit. This one says, "I have a Parsons Jack Russell, almost 13 years old, very neurotic but very sweet and a loving companion. He has some big issues. When in the car, he hyperventilates, shakes, and whines." loudly and because we hike a lot which he loves about three times a week we're in the car a lot other issue is his barking especially if anyone is coming in or out of the house or a guest or family come into the room or if anyone gets close to me including family he also shakes a lot when excited or unsure of what is going on thanks um i would say i would actually defer a lot of this and make sure from a medical aspect that there's nothing that he's got going on and i say that because of the age. Um, but the, the thing that I would try that has absolutely no negative side effects, but you may see success from is a calming shirt. Um, and I say that generically, there's Thunder shirt. Um, there's several brands that make a calming type shirt, but I have seen, especially in this type of scenario, like the car, especially, um, I've seen the Thunder shirt have quite a good um, calming effect on some dogs. I mean, now I've also seen it on some to where it doesn't work at all, but um, there, um, again, there's no side effects to them. And you pretty much know within the next, within the next first couple of minutes, um, if, if it's relaxed with my cattle dog, it actually reduces some of his barking as well. So interestingly enough, he is 13 now and it doesn't affect his barking. It doesn't reduce his barking like it did when he was younger. No idea why, but hmm. um, but the Thunder shirt, especially at that age, I think is a good thing to try. And so, yeah, Glenn, some- since there's no downside, as you say, to, to putting a calming shirt on, in this case, would the recommendation be for that dog to then just have that calming shirt on a lot of the time, most of the time, all the time? What? Well, definitely on the car ride. Uh-huh. Um, and it would, be, it would be worth trying when people are over um, to see if it helps him calm a little bit when somebody kind of tries to approach mom. Yeah. Um, but it does, it sounds like while there may be some other moments, it sounds like there's a couple of situations to where it's really more severe than the others is what I'm assuming based on the email, which is, so I would think about using it, you know, putting it on an hour before, or half an hour before 
heading on heading out on the road or from some, before someone is coming over. Okay, great. All right, let's take another, uh, actually, let's do another email here. This is, hi, Glenn. Liz from Asheville used to volunteer with you, so I guess. Yeah. Uh, hi, Liz. So saying, I got a young greyhound last July off farm who never raced or lived with or never live sorry never raced or lived the regimented schedule of an ex-racer uh, that would have would have done she has a habit of on peeing on soft surfaces having come off the farm earlier she lived in a in a run and had full potty access so for many months i picked up the rugs between that time sometimes she was excited or a friend's dog was over she would pee on the dog's bed just out of nowhere having just been out to pee so um i think it gets cut off there i don't know if there's more but that's all i'm seeing so well, these sound like, and hi, Liz, hope things are great up there. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of this sounds like that kind of a fear, anxiety aspect, um, or, or submiss- submissive, sorry, somewhere along the lines of something along that line. It could very well be a candidate for some type of anti-anxiety medication. Um, I don't know if there's other behavior issues, but it does sound like that you know, it is kind of one of those excited arousal, something along that line is what I would feel. As far as if there is an aspect of peeing inside, and actually, I don't think I said this earlier, but I probably should have. If somebody is dealing with uh, potty issues, um, any make sure when you go out, when you take them outside, that you've got a good reward. And as soon as they finish pottying, that's when they get the reward. Not when they start, but when they finish, because a lot of them will figure out, oh, I'll just go out here and squat and you're going to be a treat. <laughs> I can beat the system. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's interesting to think about a greyhound, just because we're so common, I guess, especially on a show like this, to talk about greyhounds that were racers. It's interesting to hear about one that uh, never raced or didn't have that kind of life. And then, there's... Well, Liz was, Liz was very involved in the greyhound scene when she was living here in Tampa. So right. it doesn't surprise me at all that she's ended up with a greyhound in this scenario. Oh, yeah. No, no. I, I, sure. And I, I certainly recognize the name in, in that regard. You know, I just thought but it was you interesting. Are, you are correct. It is. It's unusual to hear that, isn't it? So we're sort of nearing the end of our time. We are, again, in the uh, final moments uh, of Ask the Trainer. And again, the trainer is Glenn Hatchell, the Behavior and Enrichment Manager of the Main Society of Tampa Bay, a veteran dog trainer and behavior expert, and again, a former WNF programmer. And uh, so in our... Remaining moments, we might chat about a couple other things in the meantime, but if you would like to ask Glenn a question about your dog or your cat, please call 813-239-9663, email dj at wmnf.org, or text 813-433-0885. So I know at one point in one of these uh, recent uh, ones we had done before, Glenn, we talked about the dogs of Chernobyl, and um, yes, maybe yes, there's yes. an update we could uh, get on that. Yeah, I think actually you were you were emceeing a, wild, a wildlife animal conference or something at that point in time. I actually looked back; it was 2019. Um, okay, when I had sat in, there were a couple of people who had well, actually one person, Conce Van Goddard, who. Um, many people listening will recognize her name from uh, Florida Sark, um, had gone to Chernobyl and was working with the dogs who basically were abandoned when the plant uh, had the incident. Um, there were, you know, people had to leave their animals behind, and there had been an effort underway through the Clean Futures Fund. Basically, there had been four or five trips going over caring for these animals who lived in the restricted area near the plant and obviously with the invasion um that all kind of lost 
contact and everything. But then when the Russians moved out and Ukraine was able to take it back over, um, they have since a number of the dogs had moved, had basically found their way out of the area. And once the Russians left, um, the dogs started coming back in the area. So they have actually found and reconnected with several of the dogs who they have provided veterinary care for over the last four or five years or so. Um, it's still very early on. They, the Clean Futures Fund doesn't think it'll be any time soon before they'll even be up in there. This is obviously through their contacts. Mm. They have been able to get food up into the area that's going to be available for all the animals that are in there. And um, before they were able to do that, they had provided and had set up, I believe at this point, in the border with Poland and had had some veterinary care there, food available for the Ukrainians who were heading out of the country and were crossing into Poland. And I think within the last day or so, Dr. Marty Becker, who is the one who started up the Fear Free program a few years ago and yeah. is kind of a celebrity veterinarian, so to speak, um, is over there right now, I think, at the Romanian border and through World Vet. I think worldvets.com. So there's a lot of animal activity because a lot of these people are coming with their animals. Animals. For and, sure. Um, yeah, and the animal welfare community is is there to help them, like the humanitarian community is as well. Yeah. Jose Andreas, shout out to the chefs that are out there doing that. So for sure, a lot of people are um, a lot of people are trying to do what they can. And any uh, website or contact that you can think of, Glenn, for people who would want to assist in, in either of those things, either the dogs of Chernobyl or the efforts to uh, support would, the an, animal think, dogs. Well, the, the dogs of Chernobyl, you could search for that, or but that is a part of Clean Futures Fund. Okay, and I yeah. think under under those sites, you will find. I think the other one I heard mentioned was World Vet. Com. And basically, it's a network of international vets. And what they had the way they've been able to get the food and stuff there was through those contacts, um, you know, with people on the ground. Um, so I, I, those, those are the two things that I've seen so far that I would be comfortable referring out, recommending out. Okay. Check out. That's good. All right. So we're sort of nearing the end of the time. Anything else that uh, I, I'm not sure we're going to have another call or email at this point, Glenn, but anything else uh, before we start well, to know, wrap up? It, one, of, one of the things that a lot of people have, have gotten adjusted to um, uh, through through the last couple of years is doing training and watching things online video-wise. Yeah. I know I had mentioned this last time, but we are, we being the Humane Society of Tampa Bay, are very actively putting more and more content out on our YouTube channel, both from just obviously our adoptable animals, but a lot of educational and training information. So, um, and as I mentioned in the adoption portion of the website, or if you hover over that, you'll see a link to training resources that not only online, but there's also rec or there's also a list of um, uh, consult behavior consultants in the area um, that people can seek out. So, you know, there's a lot of resources out there to be able to help with the problems. And sometimes the problems are, you know, with, with a couple of things, they can be easy to fix and your life can be so much easier. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you that, that reminds me, next time we do this, I'd love to talk a little bit more about adoption and kind of what happens over there and how someone like you, you know, plays a role sometimes in, you know, guiding a, a certain dog, knowing their, them very well, their personalities, temperament, et cetera, from play groups and other uh, contact and sort of almost like serving a 
a matchmaking role that that sometimes obviously further uh, ensures a, a good successful adoption. So that's maybe one for next time, um, plus other things as well. Could be. All right. Sounds good. Okay. So usually you have a question that we never get a chance to get to. Well, yeah, we're, we're, now we're sort of just at the end of our time. You helped. Actually, I did ask a question last time. It was about a bullying cat to one of our other cats. And uh, they get along better. There's still some uh, little spurts of bullying, which I do not like at all. But then the next thing you know, they're hanging out uh, very friendly. So, um I guess it's progress. Let's put it that way. It's progress. Well, it is. And you know what it sounds like? That the progress there is on the recovery time. Yeah. They have their little incident, and then they're right back together. That's right. Anytime we're looking at behavior modification, that is always a big factor is that recovery time. Does the dog or the animal stay above or at threshold, or do they calm back down? Yeah. All right, Glenn. There's so much... No, no, we're just we're just the last uh, twenty seconds or so here, so I just got to uh, say goodbye and say thank you. So we've been speaking to Glenn Hatch. Let's ask the trainer again at the Humane Society Tampa Bay, and that's humanesocietytampa.org. Thanks, Glenn, once again for another great show and a bunch of helpful uh, uh, recommendations for all kinds of folks. Really appreciate it. Absolutely, hit the tip jar. There you go. Thanks. All right, so we are at the end of this edition of Talking Animals on WMNF Tampa. Izzy is in for Scott today. That's coming up shortly after NPR News headlines. Thanks.